Welcome to Mutiny Community, the officially unofficial podcast for Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Eric. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 7, entitled The Threshold. Uh, I I'm I was blown away by this episode. I don't know how no you way. feel, but I, I think this might be the episode of the series for me. Episode of the series? <laughs> yep. Wow, you're going to have to uh, talk me through that one, because, I mean, people agree with you. Um, we're Do they? At the okay. Forums, uh, best episode of the season. Um, everybody's saying that this is like the best episode so far. I gotta say, I liked last episode better. But wow. Okay. I mean, think about that bombshell at the end of last episode where Joe looks at the camera and says, "Gordon Clark uh, owns everything that I have." It like, okay. That was good. Compare the end of that <laughs> episode to the end of this episode. Uh-huh. Mm, put it on the pizza. <laughs> okay. So I'm with you about the ending. I think they actually should have ended it with Cameron walking out of that office mm-hmm. uh, and maybe not have gone to Joe and Gordon at the end. But, uh, I mean, you just you can't deny that scene with Cameron in the room with everybody where they, they finally vote against her. Uh, that That's just amazing. It was yeah. so good. And I, I can't even tell you how much I loved Boz this episode. Boz was strong, strong Boz. Yeah, I mean he was he was strong when he needed to be strong, and oh man, his his line, uh, "You're breaking my heart, kid," or whatever he whatever he says yeah. to Cameron at the end there. Oh, mm-hmm. it's just crushing. I love it. By the way, I mean this show is pretty heavy handed with the foreshadowing. Or does that mean Boz heart attack confirmed? <laughs> yes, I you think busted, it's, I think so. You busted my heart, Cameron. <laughs> For some reason, Boz became Will Ferrell impersonating George W. Bush there. But Apparently, yeah. Me impersonating. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a super strong episode. I thought that the direction was really good. I loved what they were doing with the lighting in this episode, which was a little bit different than what they'd done in other ones. Hmm. Um, they were doing a lot of kind of like the David Fincher uh, standing in front of the bright light thing. Mm-hmm. Um I think specifically the last two scenes, the one with Gordon and Joe in the server room, the lighting on that was super cool, and they were, was, everything was like kind of fuzzy and kind of they had that fluorescent feel, which I really liked. And then that last scene where Joe goes to Ryan's house, uh, the the bright lights of the outside pouring in were really cool. So um, yeah, good directing on this one too. I thought I thought it was a strong episode, but you're gonna have to tell me. Uh, and maybe you maybe you should do it after we talk about all the characters and all that stuff. But you're gonna have to tell me why you think this is the episode of the series because that is a strong statement, my friend. It is. It is. There have been some pretty good ones uh, so far, but yeah, uh, we can talk about it in depth as we okay. go. Cool. But before we do that, it's Tandy Shandy time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got a good one this week. So uh, I think we ran out of listener submitted Tandy Shandies. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we are going rogue here, and we are creating our own Tandy Shandy mixture. Uh, for the listeners who maybe don't know, Tandy Shandy uh, was introduced by Gordon in episode one of this season, and basically it's a beer and a soda. One keeps you sharp, and the other's a beer. So we've been uh, going through Tandy Shandy recipes uh, on every episode ever since, and we've done some listener-submitted ones, and uh, now we are... I'd say we're connoisseurs at this point. We kind of know what we like. We kind of know what we don't like. And so we are ready to branch out and really spread our creative wings around this Tandy Shandy concoction. You know, if if you were to ask me last week what I don't like, I probably would have answered with Tandy Shandy. Uh, <laughs> but Just I, in general. I really think I got a good one this week. I do. Mm, interesting. Uh, I, I decided to go with a classic pairing. Okay. And I I picked up a Corona, mm-hmm. and then I I threw a twist in there. I threw mm-hmm. a twist of lime with a mellow yellow. Ooh, I think this might have actually been uh, promoted on the forums. Except instead of mellow yellow, they were using Mountain Dew. I okay. was trying to find mellow yellow. I cannot find mellow yellow in Seattle. Really? I think it might be more of a Midwest thing. <laughs> Probably, yeah. It's very uh, mellow in the Midwest because it's pretty much Mountain Dew, right? Yeah, basically. Tastes very yeah. similar. But you're basically making like the poor man's margarita. I am. You're yeah. right. And margaritas aren't that expensive either. So 
so I'm really stupid. I'm 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 getting low with it. Yeah, but uh, but good good flavor, good uh, good. It's a pretty good combo, combo. I gotta say. Yeah. Um. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have quite have the tartness of the lime, but it's mm-hmm. got a, a sweetness that kind of makes up for what it lacks in tartness. So I'm yep. happy with it. I think next week you got to do Bud Light lime. <laughs> you know, I saw those on the shelves and I thought about it. I could do a Bud Light lime burrito. <laughs> oh yuck! It's gonna get real good in here. Um, so I am uh, just popping the top here on my uh, a new thing that's being offered by Stone Brewing Company, um, and this is a Arrogant Bastard pint can. Um, hmm. And if you know anything about me, you know I love Arrogant Bastard. In fact, I named a podcast after it mm-hmm. um, back in the day. So I'm doing just a couple of old classics here. I'm doing my Arrogant Bastard. It's delicious. It um, Oh, God, it's so good. Oh, it's good at a can, too. <laughs> That's interesting. And then I'm just doing classic uh, Coca-Cola, but I'm doing Mexican Coke, so it's made with real sugar. And, uh, oh... I think we got a winner here. Oh, I think, yeah. get, I think we're winner winner chicken dinner, baby. Is the I, is the sweetness of the the real sugar offsetting the hops? Well, I mean, um beer has sugar in it. Basically, sugar is <laughs> what makes beer beer because that's what the right. yeast like to eat is the sugar. So you get all the sugar out of the grain, you put it in water, then you put a, some yeast in there, put some hops in there, the yeast eat the sugar, the uh poop or they fart CO2 and they pee alcohol, and then that's how you get beer. Um, mm-hmm. So it has sugar in it. And so I think that the real sugar of the real Coca-Cola is actually a little bit mellower than that um, high fructose corn syrup. The high fructose corn syrup kind of gives uh, Coke that sharp flavor. I feel like the Mexican Coke, which has the, the real sugar in it, is a little bit more mellow. And I think that the pairing is really nice. All right. So... Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And I will say, I thought last week's Guinness and Cherry Coke was surprisingly good as well. Oh, yeah? I think so. We also have to mention to the listener, we are not mixing these. Oh, we are God. drinking one at a time. We're double fisting and drinking them simultaneously. Yeah. So it's a lot about mouthfeel. Anyway, um, I know you all wanted to hear me say mouthfeel, but... Uh, <laughs> Why don't we get to the episode here? Uh, we kind of go through uh, character by character. So which character would you like to start off with? Uh, let's start off with the first one we see, which mm-hmm. is Cameron and Tom. Cam and Tom. Uh, so I don't think I could talk about Cameron in this episode without also talking about Donna. Right. Because you and I, like, you, know, you go back to the preview cast for season three. Donna, we were like, Donna's, we're all in on Donna. Donna's the most interesting character on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she definitely was uh, through the first two seasons. She w- didn't have a huge part in season one, but season two, she really uh, came into her own uh, and it kind of sold the show. I I wrote my notes here. Like, what did they do to Donna? Because I kind of hated Donna in this episode. I don't know if you're supposed to or not, because mm. I get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Cameron is impulsive. Cameron yep. is doing things that would annoy even the most uh, laid-back person in the world mm-hmm. if they were trying to run a company with her. But at the same time, she does have good ideas. Mm-hmm. It is kind of her baby. And you you almost feel like Donna is the bad guy in this situation, yeah. when in fact... I, I don't think she is. I think she's making the right call. I don't know. I honestly don't know because in this episode, you've if you're if you've listened to the podcast to this point, you've heard me c- complain about Cameron over and over and over again. In uh, this episode, I was rooting for Cameron. I thought that Cameron had very reasonable ideas that, you know, she wanted to basically scale up the company and get it ready for uh, prime time. Um, mm-hmm. I think getting off of a single platform is probably probably a really good idea. I think cleaning up some of the clutter is a good idea. Um, and also, she is the technical brains. It kind of bothered me because Donna's not technically stupid. She's not a technical dummy. Mm-hmm. In fact, go back to season one. She's she is uh, like on par with Gordon. She's the one who figures yeah. out the double sided chipboard that goes in the giant. Um, she's the one who comes in and does the data 
um, reconnaissance when the uh, hard drive mysteriously gets wiped. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's technically smart. And in this one, she's kind of just thrown all that out the window and she's jumping at this valuation. You know, you can't dance with the first guy who asks you at the ball. <laughs> but what if he's the only guy that asks you? That's he's her not point. Be the only guy. That's the problem. I think that's the number one thing with this. Well, the the idea is he might not be the only guy that asks you. What right. if he is though? Like she's then trying you're... to avoid a possible future where, you know, they end up not going public, and mm-hmm. some at some point they can't go public because something happens. Uh, it, right. You know. I mean, she's. She's more of a, like, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush sort of thing, right? Yeah, but I feel like that displays a gross um, a gross lack of confidence in your own company and product. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what uh, turned me off about Donna in this episode is that um, I, w- I want to just throw in Matthew Lillard here because he's doing a great job being a sleazeball. <laughs> as the as the chairman of the board, or well, whatever. really, his hair's doing all the work. Yes, his hair's doing the work, and so is his like slightly slurred speech uh-huh. and his deviated septum. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Donna's kind of becoming Matthew Lillard in this. Like she is chasing the dollar. She's uh, completely overlooking the technical stuff that's that's in front of her. And uh, you watched this season of Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. So I feel like Donna is kind of turning into Stephen Tobolowsky from <laughs> Silicon Valley, who was the Ugh. CEO brought in and and, uh, and watched his horses fuck. Sounds weird mm-hmm. if you haven't watched Silicon Valley, but that's what happens. <laughs> it's a comedy. Um, but he you know, has that line in Silicon Valley where he turns to Richard and he says, Richard, do you know what uh, Pied Piper's product is? And Richard's like, me? And he's like, no, 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 hell no. No, no, <laughs> Pied Piper's product is not you. Pied Piper's product is its stock price. Uh-huh. And yeah, you could be a successful business person. You could make a lot of money with that philosophy, but you're never going to innovate with that philosophy. Never. Right. Because innovation does not fit into that equation. And so that's what kind of got me bummed out about Donna in this episode is she's kind of turning into Stephen Tobolowsky. If okay. You yeah, um, I mean, I guess I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just it, she's she's kind of taking the reins of this company away from Cameron, who mm-hmm. like that. That's why I say, you know, I I feel like I feel bad that Cameron is being outvoted here because it is her baby. She created it, and she's having it taken away from her now um, by by people who don't share her vision. And I, I guess. Yeah. So I don't think it's a bad thing to make money to go public and and just cash out, but I, mm-hmm. I, I it makes me question what everybody is in this for, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we know what we know what Diane is in it for because she's a VC, money. So right, sure, she's in it for the money. But yeah. I think that's the thing that kind of really put me off too about Don in this episode is that we've been complaining time and time again that Cameron's acting like a teenager. And she gets called out mm. in this episode. You're a spoiled child. You're acting like a spoiled child. Donna, in turn, is just replicating Cameron's behavior, which I think is actually worse than inherently being a spoiled child. <laughs> Imitating a spoiled child is worse than in just inherently being one. Like so, you should know better. Yeah. So at the end, when Donna forces the vote, I was... Really, I mean, I know it's 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 good drama. You're putting them in a pressure cooker. You know, it's it's interesting to watch. But if that were a real situation, Diane would say, "No, we're not going to vote right now." And Cameron, mm-hmm. you can block the door all you want, but we're not going to vote right now. Diane putting her hand up and voting validates Donna's behavior, and also basically is is Diane saying, "Yep, we're going to fire Cameron now," or pretty much, yeah, force her out. What she should have done is she should have said, okay, let's take a vote to see if we're going to vote today. Yeah. Uh, and then, that makes sense. Right. If if nine-tenths of us want to vote, we'll vote. <laughs> uh, but that's, yeah, that's the thing about it. You know, there is the line in there where Cameron says, uh, I have it written down here. Um she says, or, or whatever. She says, uh, "Oh, uh, who's who's just been along for the ride here with this company?" Mm-hmm. 
they have not been along for the ride. The company exists because of the people sitting at this table. Right. I mean, we've talked about how much in season two Donna helped. Uh, yeah. That that company wouldn't have found the network they needed at the time they needed it. Uh, they wouldn't have had the mainframe. We've we've gone over this, you know. Donna is the reason that company is still alive at this point. Well, Donna and Boz. Boz came in and really shored things up from a business side. Uh-huh. Um, and remember when Mutiny uh, when Mutiny went down and when Gordon brought Mutiny down? Uh, Boz was the one who went around and knocked on people's doors and said, hey, please come back to Mutiny. Right. Um, he saved the day in that scenario. Uh, he, he, he owns a lot of that credit. Uh, Gordon in that room bought the server that the goddamn thing is running on. You're not in San Francisco without Gordon. And then Diane, at the same time, you're not at the scale you're at without Diane. You don't even have swap meet if Diane's not sitting at the table. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, to be that indignant and to think that it's all you, that's that's a huge issue with Cameron. And, and you know, we've explored that time and time again with Cameron. It's just Donna stooping to her level that made me lose respect for Donna in this episode. Uh, let me ask you this. What if so? Everybody assumes that Blondie and Brownie want to screw Cameron over. Mm. What happens if they vote against this? That is interesting. Does that change anything? Can she go to them and somehow convince them? I don't know what hurts. Did they say she has thirty five percent or something? Forty five. It's got to be higher. I mean, Donna has twenty five. Yeah. Gordon uh, has ten. Gordon has ten. I don't know what Diane has. Yeah, or Bob. But I'm guessing it's. I mean, it's tops 49%, right? I would so, think so, yeah. Well, it has to be, obviously, yeah. So if it's that, then yeah. Whatever the stake that Blondie and Brownie have, um, right. that could flip the table. However, I mean, come on. There's no way that they would ever work with Cameron. <laughs> I think Brownie might. Ever. Blondie wouldn't, certainly. That's true. And Brownie might Brownie might be enough to tip the table. Maybe. Um, I don't know. But... At this point, their only incentive and their only reason for uh, for actually um, their only reason for for actually being a part of mutiny in any way is to make money, and an IPO is going to make them a ton of money. So there's no reason for them to actually vote right with Cameron on this because they're only losing money if they do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think they have faith in Cameron's ability to execute this company at a high level. I don't think they do either. No, I don't. I mean, they're they're running. What are they using? C plus plus or whatever. Yeah, C plus plus guys. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so you know, it's 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 an interesting episode from their standpoint. Uh, I think the Cameron. What do you how do, what do you feel about the Cameron and Tom stuff? Did you notice that Cameron rented the house that she visited with Donna earlier in the season? Oh, okay, the cute one. Yeah. The, the one she house. hated. <laughs> yes, you know the location scouts got him a house. They had to use it more than once. Right. Um, <laughs> That's cool. I didn't notice that. Yeah, but but what's your take on what they're what Tom and Cameron are doing? Because we have a few scenes with them here. We get the threshold scene, we get the dinner scene, and then we get the scene of them <sighs> uh, kind of presenting themselves to mutiny. So this is why this is why I'm so torn about this this vote scene because. They're in a screaming match, and people are saying the first thing that comes to their mind to try and hurt the other person. Yeah. But Donna's not wrong about this marriage, and I, mm. it, it feels incredibly impulsive on Cameron's part. Of course it is. And I, I don't see it lasting. I think I'm with Donna. Like, a year? I, I, you'd be lucky to get a year. Well, I don't see it lasting either. I mean, I think that... Uh, well, first of all, I think that Tom and Cameron are going to be forced to go into business together. Which they already said was was uh, was dynamite for the relationship. But the other thing right. is that I still think, and I still hold out in my hope in my hope of hopes. I love the intrinsic connection that Joe and Cameron have, mm-hmm. and I hope that if this show gets renewed, they're able to explore that further. Because um, that scene with them was that last episode or was that two episodes ago? I think it was last episode. Um. The one where she went to his apartment and said, uh, you need to give Gordon the money? You need to give Gordon credit, yeah. Right. Um, That might have been two episodes. No, it was last episode because they bonded when Donna was away on her her mushroom trip. Um, But that scene with them together, I I love those scenes, man. 
I love those scenes, and I I really do think that they have some kind of bond. Um, and Tom's just in the way. <laughs> Tom's in the way. Tom's convenient. Tom is a stabilizing force in an unstable world. Tom, yeah. uh, Tom got some guns, baby. He's been working out. Did he's he? been lifting a lot of milk cartons. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's been lifting those milk cartons at the old s- supermarket. Wait, where does um, he work? I thought he was a tech guy. Well, yeah, but you remember he worked at the supermarket like the night shift when uh, when oh, he was working yeah. at Mutiny and they he had like nine jobs. Anybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, what the hell happened with Tom's mom? Because they were living together and he was solely supporting her. So he just left her in Texas. <laughs> yeah, he sent him money home. I guess I don't know. I don't know either. Apparently, he's unemployed as well. So I uh, uh, I'm not sure what's <laughs> happening there. But yeah. I don't see it lasting. I don't think the audience sees it lasting. I think we do agree with Donna here, but I don't agree with Donna's tact. I don't agree with Donna sure. bringing that up in the middle of a board meeting when they're trying to discuss whether or not they're going to have an IPO. Right. That's ridiculous. Right. It, it, it felt more like a festivus than a board meeting. Mm, I love it. It's for the rest of us, you know? <laughs> they they had the silver pole. They aired their grievances. Exactly. Um, and then the feats of strength. Which was uh, Cameron slamming the door. <laughs> Which is Tom lifting milk cartons, yeah, apparently. Milk cartons. Yeah, so I don't see it lasting either, but th- it shouldn't have been brought up in that context. That's, that's yeah, once again, right. Donna stooping to Cameron's level, which you, it doesn't look good on you, Donna. You know? You're right. Uh, um, but it, it got my pulse pumping. I got to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was weird because there were two kind of strange set pieces in this episode that were kind of convenient, and I think that's why I'm not like completely 100% like this is the greatest episode ever. Uh-huh. One of them, they're out to dinner. To the, Donna and Gordon and Tom and Cameron are out to dinner to congratulate Tom and Cam on getting married. Then they Cam goes to the bathroom, and Donna follows her in there to tell her that she thinks they should do the IPO. Like That's a weird time and place to do that. Right. Um, and then they're having they're having they're in the middle of this engagement party or this wedding party. Uh maybe it's a reception, I don't know. But that's the moment when they have this meeting. Like I feel like these scenes were written separately and then they kind of mashed them together uh while they were in pre production, being like, Well, we could shoot these in the same location. <laughs> and and so it was just kind of a strange set piece, but it was good to have the boardroom meeting, I suppose, at the party because you have this big juxtaposition of the celebration on one end and then the uh, the airing of grievances on the other side of the door. Right. And it, really, all that blame lies on Gordon's shoulders because mm-hmm. Gord- Gordon goes behind Donna's back because Donna's going Dude. behind Cameron's back. And like, yeah. it's, can we it's, talk about Gordon? Yeah. I mean, he's mixed up in this whole thing. Uh, Dude, Gordon how do, is stirring shit up. <laughs> he really is. How, how do you feel about him? you know kind of feeling bad for cameron in this situation and going to her and saying hey this is happening you need to figure it out i mean are you seeing what i'm seeing here because i think gordon is stirring up shit and he's like on the road to divorce on purpose yes on purpose (laughs) okay i think he is on the road to divorce because the other thing he did he didn't do something in this episode which is glaringly loud what's that he didn't he did not tell donna that he's getting $25 million. Right. Now, why wouldn't and he do that? Because he's ready to... He's got one foot out the door. <laughs> Wait, but why would he vote with Donna then to go to do the IPO? Well, he, the only reason why they even have that vote is to... Um, so there's a couple reasons, I think. The only reason they have that vote is to get Cameron out of the picture, but it also allows him to get the IPO. So he he stirred up the shit. He took Cameron down to the server room and told her what was going on, knowing full well that that was going to open up a can of worms, and it was probably going to lead to the IPO vote. Man, you got a, a bad guy Gordon complex going on here. It's not a bad guy Gordon complex. This is Gordon becoming Joe. This <laughs> oh, is no. Gordon beco- this is Gordon's Joe moment? It's amazing, dude. Oh, no. Because... Not only does he get Joe's company, but he, he, this is his this is his Joe moment. This is why it's so amazing because then Don or then Donna does the IPO. Mm-hmm. She owns thirty five percent of the company. So and their their evaluation is twenty million dollars. 
So what's 20 times uh, 0.3? Uh, is that right? Yeah. Sure. 20 times 0.3. I'm so doing like the math 7 million. on my computer. So that's $6 million. Yeah. Okay. So she gets 6 mil, which means that he's not going to have a messy divorce. <laughs> okay. Because they both have money. I, hmm. I'm, I'm actually, trying to follow not, you. He's not getting twenty five mil. He got two point five mil, but he's got the he's got the money in the bank because he has NSF net now. Right, and he's invented the internet. So, so this is the thing. So Donna gets six million dollars. She gets the house. She gets the kids. Mm-hmm. She gets six million dollars, and uh, Gordon gets to keep everything that he has in this divorce. But I think he's got one foot out the door because he has not told. We haven't seen him tell Donna anything about getting nsf net and as far as she knows he's still working in the basement and mutiny right now i could see him wanting out of that certainly um yep you know he's not gonna have time to split his day between mutiny and nsf net uh right i'm no absolutely i can't i guess maybe i i really i need to see more i need to see what gordon's intentions are uh Gordon is becoming the Machiavellian <laughs> prince. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. The the way that he struts into uh, Matthew Lillard's office and says, "Yep, you can either take me to court for twenty five million dollars, or I'll take you to court for that hairpiece." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I get two point five million NSF net and your contracts and the servers. Yeah, and that's a shrewd move. That's a Joe move. Um. I am really, really interested, though, in why did he give Joe 49% of the company? Yeah. Uh, why? Well, clearly, 49% is the number you give someone who you don't want to have any control, right? Yeah, but he's just walking out of a boardroom where somebody... <laughs> I guess if he if he retains 51%, but once you start diluting your shares in the company, right. you start walking down the path to you being able to be be take, taken over right remember so, at one point cameron had 90 percent of mutiny right yes <laughs> and that was last season mm-hmm. so yeah 51 is not exactly secure i feel like for joe mcmillan 49 percent is 100 percent. like he three percent is 100 percent to joe mcmillan <laughs> that's the thing man i know that joe is going to find a way to turn this 49 percent into what he wants Yes, of course he is. Just being mixed up with Joe is a bad idea, regardless of the percentage. <laughs> I am so... I was really happy we got so much Joe in this episode. Uh-huh. And God damn it. God damn it. I love Joe and Gordon together. I just love it. <laughs> it is fun. It feels, like, it feels like old times, doesn't it? It feels like old times. I really, honestly, I, I said it before, season one of this show is still my favorite season. Uh, I love the old Cardiff Electric days. I am a reminiscent of that time. And, you know, Joe picked Gordon out of obscurity. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Like, without Joe, Gordon is a successful middle manager at Cardiff Electric spinning out servers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going home every day to his uh, suburban life and... Uh, tinkering with stuff in his garage, and that's Gordon's life. Joe steps into his life, and all of a sudden, Gordon accelerates. Um, and it all resolves around Joe and Gordon. So I'm just really happy that they're back together. Like, it, what it reminded me of, did you see the new Godzilla movie that came out, like, last year? Yeah. You know, in that movie, they basically hide Godzilla for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like every time there's a fight, you only see it like through a, a crack at a door or something until the final scene. And by the time the final scene comes, you're like, have so much pent up emotion. You're like, finally we get to see Godzilla fight. And then it's like this yeah. big epic thing. And it's kind of a genius thing that Gareth Edwards did in that movie, because how do you make giant monsters fighting each other? Interesting in a world where every movie is giant monsters fighting each other. Right. Um, but that was this scene for me when Joe and Gordon get together. When Joe goes to, or when Gordon goes to Joe's apartment and is scoping out his custom made vase, uh-huh. um, and going over and, and looking at the NSF net board. That stuff is really interesting to me. I just love those scenes where they're together. 
but the question remains: Why forty nine percent to Joe? Even as a silent, if he's a silent partner, he's even more useless. Right. Unless unless it's Gordon saying, "Hey, Joe, thanks for stirring up my life and making it interesting." Yeah, I mean, maybe it's that. Maybe it's, um, you know, he he, maybe he's buying into Joe's bullshit again, where Joe's saying, "Look, I did this not mm-hmm. because." Um, you know, I was a good guy or anything, but it was my only play. I'm being honest with you here. I'm hoping you'll give me a cut of it. Uh, and maybe that got to Gordon. I don't know. I mean, Joe has been manipulating Gordon from the very start. So, yeah, but at this time, at this point, the audience can see Joe's manipulation tactics. Sure, because he's never sincere. I mean, that's just what we have to take from Joe McMillan. He's never sincere, right? Um. And Gordon has to know that, too. Like, all of Joe's little puppy dog, like, oh, I just really hope that you throw me a bone, blah, blah, blah. Like, we all know that's bullshit, and it's just, you know, manipulation <laughs> but, and but, double I mean, negatives and all that. He did, in Joe's defense, he did exactly what he said. He gave Gordon two opportunities to join him as a partner, and Gordon turned him down both times. So it's not like Joe didn't try, and and I believe that those were those were honest offers, now, whether or the not the second one, the second one was not an honest offer. I mean, I think he would have honored it, but he, he would have. Yeah, but he knew that Gordon wasn't going to take it. Right, right. The first one, though, when he calls him up and says, "Hey, bud, I know you're on a plane, but come do this thing with me. Leave your yeah. family behind." Of course, he's not going to take that. But Joe was offering mm-hmm. it. That was a hundred percent sincere. Right. There's so, that beautiful moment at the end of season two where they're both kind of down and out, and. Um, and Gordon's playing with his train set in his garage and Joe comes over and Joe kind of says that he's going to commit suicide. Uh, uh-huh, but uh-huh. there's kind of this sweet moment that like, it's this, it's this idea that Gordon's kind of all that Joe has in the world in some ways. Mm-hmm. And there's this friendship that's weirdly there between the two. It's like driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> like, uh, like Miss Daisy is definitely manipulating, um, uh, her driver, but you know, her driver's also her only friend in the world. So, yeah, no, that's it's, the way it it's is. some weird, like, it's a weird thing where Cameron and Gordon kind of penetrate some kind of crack in Joe's exterior, even though he doesn't want mm-hmm. them to, even though it, it's, it's very slight, right? It's not like this direct thing where they're buddy, buddy all the time. Yeah. But there's something about those two people that just Joe's unable to shake. Well, and Gordon is I think that Joe legitimately respects Gordon because like yeah. I said, he went and plucked Gordon out of obscur- obscurity. He went to Cardiff Electric because he read an article about the symphony, which was Gordon's failed keyboard computer. Mm-hmm. Uh that kind of crashed at CES. He read this article about this guy, Gordon Clark, and he went to Cardiff Electric and got a job as an entry-level salesman under John Bosworth so that he could get access to this guy. Um, You know, last season when when Joe was laying on the couch at the club doing E and confessing to his wife, he's like, I've got all these ideas, but I just have no way to get them out of me. Gordon has all of the chops to get these ideas out, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the wherewithal to own the stress that comes along with managing those things. So maybe mm-hmm. I just answered my own question. Gordon and Cameron complete him. They do, but at the <laughs> same time, Gordon knows that he can't run NSFNet by himself. He doesn't right. have the fortitude to do that. You know, he tried to run Clark computers. It uh-huh. didn't work. Uh, you know, he tried with the Symphony. It didn't work. Um, Cardiff Electric, once he took the reins there, that was one of the only successful things he did. But he's not proud of anything that he did there. He wasn't proud of the Giant or the Giant Pro. Uh-huh. So I think that Gordon on some level recognizes that Joe, uh, helped. Joe is the secret sauce that allows Gordon to thrive and do what he wants to do. So maybe that's why the 49% happens in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see, uh, I guess what becomes of that. Cause I don't know if we can go full internet yet. 
and I don't know how they make money on that at the moment. So uh, good luck. Maybe Gordon's going to be just pumping money into this project that's not going anywhere for a while. Yeah. But I, I don't know. We'll see how that evolves. Well, maybe that's the other thing about it. That's actually, that makes a lot of sense. Is that Gordon knows that Joe knows how to make money off of this thing. Mm-hmm. And Gordon sees the potential in NSFnet, but he doesn't know how to squeeze the water from that melon or whatever that phrase is. <laughs> That's it. You got it. What is it? Squeeze, is it? Squeeze water from a rock or something? I don't know. Blood from a stone? There you go. He, knows, he doesn't know how to get the blood out of the stone, but uh-huh. Joe does. So... Um, so maybe that's why the 49% happens. So, uh, I guess I'm talking myself into it here because on the, on the, on the face of it, I love it. Cause I just love these two together. We're getting the band back together, man. Yeah. Um, and I just want Joe to be Joe again, which I'm hoping now that he's been fired, he could just be Joe and not Zen master. Cause frankly, I like the old Joe better than Zen master. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But, but I think we all also understand that there's no such thing as a silent partner when it comes to Joe McMillan. Right. Uh, but dovetailing off of that, what are the chances that Ryan just fucked over Joe big time? <laughs> uh, I, I think they're pretty good. Because nobody's going to believe that it was Ryan anyway. Like, everybody Probably knows... Probably not. Like, Joe hears this story from a maniacal, uh, sleep-ridden Ryan... Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, fuck, it's Westnet all over again. <laughs> uh-huh. Everybody's he's gonna, definitely getting blamed for this. He's def- Joe is, he's definitely getting the blame for this. It's like there's yeah. no question about it. There's no way no. that he's going to be able to pawn this off on Ryan at all. They're not going to go <laughs> after Ryan. They're going to go after Joe. This is what the Joe McMillan clause is for. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's bad news for for Joe, and maybe by proxy, it's also bad news for Gordon Mm-mm. getting in bed with Joe again. Uh, yeah. I I. What is he thinking? What is Ryan doing, man? He's gone off the he's gone off the rails. Yeah. Well, this is what Joe does to a guy like Ryan. Ryan is antisocial. He doesn't know how to interact with people. So when he gets into the manipulative arms of Joe McMillan. He is completely transfixed by him. He becomes almost like a messiah to this Ryan guy. And Mm -hmm. I think that Ryan sees what Joe is doing and just completely misinterprets it and also thinks that he, you know, once he was an instrument for Joe, now he can be a surrogate for Joe. And right. And I, I think he actually wants to be Joe. I mean, yeah, you know, he, he takes Joe's, Joe's idea, Joe's hint at what he might do and runs with it. And, uh, I, Joe, Joe is a way better at this than Ryan has any right to think he is. Uh, Absolutely. And, and when you're, so when you're going solo and going rogue, that's one thing. And Joe does that very well. When you've got a partner and you're going rogue, you might want to communicate before you make a rash decision, <laughs> right? Yeah, but that's Ryan, man. Like, Ryan doesn't understand the nuances of human interaction. I know. Yeah. He doesn't understand that they're going to go... First of all, they're going to go after Joe for this. Cause this is, Absolutely. This is Joe burning a truck full of computers. This is Joe loading up a virus and crashing Westnet. Yep. In their eyes... He Joe definitely did this. Um, and then on the other level, there are so few people who have both the wherewithal and the capability to pull something like this off that Ryan's naivete that they'll never catch him mm-hmm. is ridiculous as well. Because if, you know, if there is some kind of, I don't even know if the FBI has a cyber crimes unit in 1986. Ooh, yeah. But if there is some kind of criminal investigation into this, uh, I don't think Ryan is bulletproof, especially if they go after Joe. Joe's not going to have any choice but to throw Ryan under the bus. Right. And Ryan doesn't have the wherewithal to not do, to not re- retaliate and say, no, it was Joe all along. Like, he doesn't have that in him. So it's it's a little bit of a bummer to me about Ryan because 
once Cameron gets edged out of mutiny, I just I just started writing a little chart down here because it seemed at that point that Ryan that was after Ryan uh, you know put the drill through the hard drives and set whatever on fire in the trash can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was Ryan retaliating against Joe because he believed that Joe was uh, conspiring against him with Gordon. Right. So did I. I thought he was burning whatever software they had written for NSFNet. Right. And possibly, I mean, he has access to the mainframe. He could just like load up some crashing. Vi- I, th- I, right. I halfway thought that he was going to like put in halt and catch fire into the <laughs> server. That would be good. Yeah. Um, but so at that point, once Cameron had been removed basically from her own company, I just write on the bottom here on my sheet. I go Ryan plus Cameron plus Tom, <laughs> basically the three smartest people on the show. Uh huh. And then I was like, Joe, maybe I don't know, but I hmm. could definitely see Cameron and, um, Gordon perhaps getting together as well. I mean, that's another way that this plays into Gordon's lap is that if he is able to get Cameron out of mutiny, he can then use Cameron for NSF net. Yeah, she might be valuable for that. She could be incredibly valuable because now we're not just talking about Commodore 64s. We're talking about every computer with a modem. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the community component to that. We're getting to the America Online like we were talking about earlier. Um, yeah. So Cameron could be a valuable asset there, and their relationship has been budding over the last couple episodes. And right. Gordon covered his ass because he said, you know, I can't not vote with my wife. So Oh, sure, yeah. His hands Regardless were tied in thinks. that scenario to force Cameron out. Now he could bring her into NSFNet, but then she's going to have to work with Joe. But he's a silent partner, so maybe she doesn't even have to know that she's working with Joe. And then when she finds out <laughs> she's working with Joe, everything goes to shit. Oh, I think you, he just wrote season four. The powder keg is powdered. <laughs> You're right. The powder uh, keg is palpable. I got I got a couple more questions for you. I yeah. want to talk about Boz. Okay. Um because I think Boz was the standout star of this episode, frankly. I mean, other than, you know, the Godzilla Gamora clash that we saw between <laughs> Cameron and Donna, uh-huh. uh, Boz had a lot of really, I guess, un Boz like stuff to do this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had to go in and kind of uh, fix the issues here or tr- attempt to fix the issues here with, with Cameron, give her some advice as, you know, his surrogate daughter that she didn't want to be um and, creepy, and try and, a little little creepy by the way it it's a little creepy but uh <laughs> you know I mean, he he needed to he needed to do this for the good of the company i feel and yeah and he didn't necessarily think it was going to go this way but it was the right thing to do is to get everybody in a room get them talking try and patch things up because the company wasn't running efficiently as it was yeah, I mean, it was getting real clunky. Um, yeah. I think Cameron's leadership was lax. and But Boz also like tries to defuse the situation. He says, guys, let's get... This meeting is over. Right. You know, and then Cameron slams the door as he's trying to open it to force the vote. Um, so he's trying to... He's trying to keep the keep everything steady. But yeah, that line... Where, you know, that's not going to stop me from treating you like my daughter. Uh-huh. came across a little bit strange to me. I don't know. Hmm. I'm going back okay. to season one. Because remember, there's the episode where Cameron kind of sneaks into his office to, like, steal something. Because <laughs> she's kind of, like, poaching the office after the layoffs occur. Because, um, it's where she gets her bowling shoes. Anyway. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and then she like goes in there, and Boz is like trying to learn program. He's trying to read books on programming, uh-huh. and and then Boz, you know, slowly gets in. He gets more in with the developers because like there's the scene where uh, where he, they're all playing like video games late into the night. And he goes out into the bullpen and he calls them all into his office and he goes, "Now, how the hell am I supposed to get past this wizard?" Uh, <laughs> So there's always been this thing with Boz, but also Boz on every level is just a people pleaser. He knows how to 
pull the strings on just about anybody because he's a salesman. So well, he where is, does but his... I also I also feel like he has a real heart and soul to him. Mm-hmm. Where I, I really hate to see these episodes where it's torn down. Mm. But I mean, and when I say I hate to see them, what I really mean is I love watching it. But I, I, <laughs> it crushes my insides to watch Boz being ground up like this. Yeah, uh, I, I feel very much like he does when he he cast his vote. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's a terrible thing that's happening, but you got to do it, and and you hate to see the guy go through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. For me, Boz was a standout star. He he really had some sadness to him this episode, uh, and was trying to do the right thing. And you know, it it doesn't always work. Why does Boz vote yes? That's a damn good question. Uh, I want to say that Boz is above it, just being all about Diane. Right. Uh, but I couldn't tell you exactly why. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it, it gives a reason for the Boz Diane dynamic because, frankly, it feels a little shoehorned. Mm-hmm. Um, but Boz is lost right now. Uh, he is. So I did feel it was like a little weird to just retcon what happened last episode, or not retcon, but um, fully explain what happened last episode. Because we spent a good five minutes talking about why Boz didn't go into diane's house after right they did yeah. it in the car um and we we landed on he couldn't get it up and he <laughs> felt ashamed and and we also said that cameron would be pissed if she found out right which that just got compounded a ton because cameron still doesn't know that's true i didn't think about that so um I mean, that's. I feel like that's got to play into the boss into boss saying, "Man, you're busting up my heart," because mm-hmm. he knows this is the end for him and Cameron. And yeah. the sad thing about this is that Boz has been able to kind of build up this family over time since he got out of prison, and his own family disowned him for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the interaction with his son when he was back in Texas, he was really feeling alone, and that's why. Uh, he doesn't necessarily feel like he is lovable in some ways. That's why he doesn't go in with Diane. Also, right. he thought that she didn't know he was a felon. I was like, she definitely knows you're a felon, dude. <laughs> um, everybody knows. Everybody uh, let, knows. Let, me, let me propose this real quick. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's maybe that he likes Cameron, but, you know, she, she kind of shit on him a couple episodes ago when she says, you're not my father, yep. stop acting like it. Um, so, so he likes Cameron, but she's been treating him badly, but he also does not think that she's the right person to run this company and that he kind of wants to get her out. Yeah. I think that also Boz's role in this company from the beginning, because he started off as like a volunteer, I think like he wasn't even uh, essentially. Yeah. He wasn't even getting paid when he started doing work for mutiny. Um, so Boz's role in this whole thing is not to be the squeaky wheel. Right. And so maybe that's why he votes yes at the end, because he's not going to be the guy who holds up this freight train. Oh, yeah. Uh, he Can doesn't, you imagine? Yeah, he doesn't want that responsibility on his shoulders. You know, he stuck his neck out once for a company. It did not end well for him. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he's here to foster the thing along, but he's not here to be the squeaky wheel. Yeah. That could be um, it too. Yeah, but I I really feel like this is like the end for him and Cameron, at least for the foreseeable future, because once he finds out that he's in bed with Diane, it's fucking over. There's the trust is dissolved at that point. Yeah. So I guess uh, it, it's really for me the reason I love this episode so much. Mm-hmm. It, it just comes down to those two scenes. It's it's Boz with Cameron, and it's Cameron and Donna going at it. I feel like this scene. Uh, this episode really just had a lot of emotion uh, packed into it. And yeah. it's something that you see from time to time on this show, but it's all too infrequent, <laughs> I think. Uh, so when I really get a good, healthy dose of it, it just, it's, it's good. It's real good. It's real good. And uh, the other part of it is that um, Gordon is at the center of this whole episode. This is a, this is actually, if you look at it, this is a Gordon centric episode. Uh, he's got his finger in every pie mm-hmm. uh, on this show, on this particular episode. So there's part of me that really likes Gordon. 
Like he is such a weird character. <laughs> um and he's just kind of the the unassuming guy. And I don't know if they did this intentionally, but like I never really noticed how tall Scoot McNary is. Um who's the actor who plays Gordon? I can but never it, get over that his name is Scoot. Scoot. Scoot I know. Mary. It's it I always think it's Scott, but you're right. <laughs> It's Scoot, and they put him in a wheelchair in Batman vs. Superman, which I think is a little ridiculous. <laughs> That's mean. Scooting along in the wheelchair. Anyway, Scoot is not a tall man, but for the most mm-hmm. part in this show, it's not really shown. In this episode, it is, like, really compounded. There's a scene <laughs> where he is standing, like, face-to-face with Matthew Lillard in the boardroom at McMillan Utilities, or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. and... It's like apparent that he's a head shorter than Matthew Lillard. And then there's another scene where he, when he goes in and talks to Joe where you could tell and obviously Matthew Lillard's a tall guy and uh Lee Pace is a tall guy as well. Right. But they really kind of emphasize that like this is the small unassuming mastermind. This is the meek inheriting the earth a little bit. And huh. I think okay. moving forward Gordon is going to be a major player in these final 3 episodes because I feel like this episode has really put the machinations in place for Gordon to have his Joe moment. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. It might we might be looking at a, you know, the season of the Gordon next season. I, I'm telling you, man, Gordon goatee season. <laughs> we had Gordon beard season. We had Gordon right. clean shaven season. Now it's Gordon mustache season. Next season is Gordon evil goatee season. I, I'm 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 on board for it. Let's do it. Because Gordon seemed mighty comfortable in that boardroom. Yep. So, uh, I that's one thing that I that's the thing that I love the most about this episode is they really put Gordon at the center of it, and I'm ex- I'm really excited to see where that goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I'm I'm super excited for the final three. Honestly, the main thing though is like the main thing I can't stand is the passive aggression between Donna and Cameron in this episode. It was just so passive aggressive, and it puts Donna in a place where I don't. <laughs> I like Donna as the calming force. I don't like her as the shit stirrer, uh, and she's not the shit stirrer by choice here. But she definitely leans into it when the opportunity presents itself, and that's what kind of made it fall short. Um, and I just really liked the last episode. I thought last episode was amazing. I mean, you have a hallucinogenic talk between Donna and Cameron in last episode. Yeah, um, no, it was good. It was a good one. It was a good one. So now that we've been through the whole episode, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but now we've been through the whole episode, uh, Jim, tell me why this is the best episode of the series. Well, I thought I just did. Uh, Okay. You know, it it packed that real emotional punch that I loved, uh, and it's got a lot going for it as far as uh, build up to scenes that we really wanted to see. I don't know about you, but I have been waiting for this Donna Cameron conflict to come to a head for a very long time, Um, and now that it finally has... I think it was worth the wait, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed seeing it. Well, we got three episodes left. I like these ten episode seasons. I think they're nice and tidy. Yeah. Um, although Stranger Things has made me think about the eight episode season. <laughs> We're just slowly becoming the BBC. We like, are. Yeah. The BBC has had this nailed for like thirty years, and America's just coming around to it. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do we have any uh, feedback this week? Uh well we got a uh a quick tandy shandy recipe Ooh. from from Sharon in Birmingham UK. Oh, awesome. Speaking of the BBC. Uh it, it's it's a surprisingly America focused uh tandy shandy recipe though. Mhm. <laughs> Says I've had an A&W cream soda which costs like 4 pounds over here. That's nearly $6. Yeah. Uh and a Sierra Nevada. My own Tandy Shandy. Hmm. I like it, but I don't think that A&W Cream Soda has caffeine in it. I, I think you're right. I think you're right about so that. I don't know if it's... I think it's like the Tandy Shandy Light. <laughs> but I'm willing to try it. It's, Honestly, it's the Tandy Shandy you have right before you go to bed. I like it. It's the decaf Tandy Shandy. I never thought right. of that. Once you... Because like, there's a lot of... Uh, like, I feel like Sprite and some, some uh, sodas would be good. Or uh-huh. some beers. Would be good. Um, so maybe we'll go decaf next week because I never finish the soda anyway because we do record this at night. So yeah, me too. I'm staring down half a mellow yellow here. 
Um, there's a couple of, uh, great forum posts out here. Um, this is, uh, mostly re- revol- revolving around where the, where the episode revolved was, which was that final, um, boardroom scene. Yeah. Um, but I, the consensus on the forums here is that this is the best episode of the season that Tom and Cameron are not going to make it <laughs> right <laughs> not surprising and uh this one coming to us from king cobra which was which was interesting so we talked about it a little bit earlier there's the scene in in the boardroom scene there's the uh the line where cameron says you know you guys have all just been along for the ride which we all know is complete and utter bullshit mutiny is right. where it is today because of everybody in that room not just cameron um, and, uh, one of the forum posters said, you know, uh, <laughs> that this would have been the perfect moment to say, if it wasn't for all of us, you'd be in your basement writing games that were going to be ripped off in two weeks. Um, King Cobra comes back with, with a little bit of rebuttal. He says, I'm not sure they needed to get that specific. Cam had already burnt the bridges with her behavior. Those of course would be trump cards if she pushed further but really there was no need that scene basically said it all cam had acted like a spoiled child and this action that she took pushed it over the top she went in saying she was open to discussion but that was only if people did things her way right until now people never really called her out on it at the same time you could say that donna was also open for discussion as long as they did it her way like that was the thing there was a mirroring here between the two definitely uh but the other thing that King Cobra brings up, which I'm very excited about it as well, is it will be interesting to see Joe and Gordon work together again. Although I wonder if the ramifications from Ryan's dirty work will last long. Uh, while they make a good team, it often becomes toxic. And that's the main thing here is that I think and I hope that for the rest of the season, we have Tom and Cameron going off and doing something awesome. And we have, and we have the rise of Gordon. The maniacal rise of Gordon. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to spoil any TV shows, but I'd love it if he, at the end of the season, he walks into a penthouse office and wraps his ring twice on the desk. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> All right. becomes master of his own destiny. Um, what, are, what are your hopes? We have three episodes left. What are your hopes for the season? Man, yeah. I this this show is so stirred up right now yeah i honestly have no idea where they're going with this uh my hopes are a cameron's marriage falls apart instantaneously (laughs) uh (laughs) you always had a crush on her didn't you i did i did tom damn you Mm -hmm. i'm coming for you uh (laughs) there's i i want i want to see i i want to see uh boz address some of his family issues like a little more directly Mm -hmm. right um that's that's super important to me he's become more of a, a character that i appreciate and enjoy watching uh not just for his robo butler scenes but to see the emotion involved in his storyline mm-hmm. uh i want to see that and i i guess i have to go with you i i gotta go down this gordon road gordon needs to become yeah what joe has failed to live up to uh, the <laughs> I... true machiavellian <laughs> the, the guy who gets away with it, right? Like the guy yeah. who's smart enough not to destroy everything on the way up. The interesting thing about Gordon is that at this point, we know Joe. We know when Joe's putting on, when he's spreading it on thick. We know when right. he's got a salesman hat on. We know Joe. We can read him like a book. Uh, at this point, I feel like the interesting thing with Joe and Gordon is to see Gordon become the master. The student has become the master mm-hmm. and see how that plays out. I think that's really interesting. Um, the other thing is I really think Boz is going to die by the end of the season. What? I think he's out. His heart attack, his heart's going to give out. It's the only way because Cameron's dad is already dead and then she's not going to make amends with with uh, with old Boz and then Boz is going to die of a heart attack. They got to kill Tom too. Then, just every every man in Cameron's life just needs to die, and then Joe comes sweeps in in the ashes <laughs> in the aftermath. Oh God! And carries her through the threshold. Uh, at the, in the last episode, 
Sure. All right, guys. Well, that, those are our predictions, and they're definitely going to come true. So the only way <laughs> to hear us gloat about them is to keep listening. <laughs> um, keep in touch. Uh, mutiny at baldmove.com is the email address, so please send your feedback there, or you can also post on the forums at forums.baldmove.com. And until next week, I'm Eric. And I'm Jim. Log out. <laughs>